0: This is Power, Power Athlete Radio. Th-
1: With your hosts Denny Cage, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers.
0: And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some
2: Welcome to
1: episode 64 of Power Athlete Radio. This is Denny. I'm here with John, Luke, and Tex. We're just hashing out, like kind of picking up on a conversation that we started about 10, 15 minutes ago, recapping a little bit of the Mark Watts uh, episode we had on um, just like the kind of general status of strength and conditioning coaches that are out there. And anybody following the Field Strong program knows that John's doing putting in a testing week, so maybe we should just kind of carry on with our conversation, guys, because uh, it sounds like we're really starting to get into some good shit.
0: <clears throat> no, I think it's a great place to start. Um what Denny was kind of questioning a little bit is, you know, what is professional strength coaching? What is collegiate strength coaching as a professional? You know, this is how I make my money and this is what I do, uh, strength coach. How does that really translate to what we know? And more importantly, uh, you know. Do these people really ever get uh, outside of their box or do they really just stay in a lane and once they're in that lane, they don't, there's no deviation from that lane and how many are actually going out to, you know, learn from new people going out and seeing what the world's best are doing. And I think what happens is it's just like everybody and anybody that's ever been to college or ever been to a, you know, anything high level knows that people get stuck within this track of academia of, hey, this is who I am. And I saw it at Berkeley. I mean, there were guys, uh, you know, I had, uh, you know, teachers and and, uh, people in my graduate study program and professors, PhDs that had gone to underground uh, that had gotten their master's or PhD and had done all of their work within one field at Berkeley with their colleagues and had no desire to ever leave and to never ever venture out into the world and go teach anywhere. So, I mean, you know, that type of mentality where it's like, hey, I'm on this track. This is what I'm doing, I think, could be extremely kind of, I mean, beneficial, but also can be really, really dangerous. And, you know, we see that with strength coaches. You know, this is who I apprenticed under. This is the system I'm in. And this is what I do. And, you know, there's nothing else has any validity because this is the only research I've ever done on this deal. And what we talked about earlier and what we've offline is where we kind of differ a little bit with uh, the power athlete cross of football is we have taught, you know, uh, dozens, hundreds of seminars all over the world working with thousands of athletes. And what we've seen is we've seen people go through a strength conditioning program. We've put them through their training. We've, uh, instruct them in their lifts, talked to them about programming and we've really indoctrinated people into this methodology. And we've done it on such a massive scale that we've just seen more people do anything. I mean, I, I believe we've probably seen more people train and work with more athletes than most people that have a PhD at a collegiate level or, you know, professional strength coach, just for the, Sheer fact of, you know, we're actively going out and working with these people. So it's just, it's provided us a certain, you know, perception and definitely uh, the ability to kind of see everything in, in, uh, you know, in two or three times speed. So it's been very beneficial for that.
1: Yeah. I was, you know, obviously there's like politics involved, but um, I've been looking at some of the Charlie Francis stuff uh, that Tech cited in his quickness and praxis article that we're gonna to get to in a little bit. So in that, if anybody's ever read that, it kind of starts off with like, hey, here's the classical periodization table, and here's kind of what's wrong with it, and this is what I'm doing. So in that conversation, Tex had just kind of mentioned that that's, that's kind of where all the, I shouldn't say all, but the majority uh, strengthening conditioning coaches that are out there, they're kind of stuck in that classical template. And that's fucking disappointing to me.
0: Well, I mean, to, uh, to quote our good friend Greg Glassman, we fail at the margins of our experience. So if you've only gone so far and this is what you've done as a strength coach, then you've really never pushed it, then you don't necessarily know it's out there. If the person you apprenticed under, if you're university professors and all the study you've been doing is within this classical periodization where I'm going to start in the preseason with 10s, then we're going to move to 7s, and then we're going to move to 5s, but or maybe move to fours but we can't go to threes because obviously the weight would be too heavy and there's too much risk of injury and you kind of get into this whole kind of classical periodization deal where it's this kind of ascending volume and intensity deal um you know uh, and you know you're gonna have your accessory work you're gonna put it all through <clears throat> then you know what you're never really gonna to, you know go past what that is i mean it's not as if those that classical periodization was written. And that was the law, that was the word of uh, handed down on the third. You know, stone tablet when Moses walked down off the mountain and handed you know that third uh, stone tablet was you know the strength conditioning principles where this is classical periodization. I mean, we've really gone out and seen that um, you know classical periodization has worked for certain people and for other people it doesn't work, and that we've really kind of thrown it away and uh, you know realized that you know this kind of volume and intensity model has been you know uh, while we're definitely taking some some cues from how to periodize the program, this idea of uh, you know, that you have to build an aerobic base and go to these things just really hasn't really paid off as well as they thought it would. But there's people that, that hold true to that stuff. I mean, much like religion, where that's what they believe in, that's what they teach, that's all they know, and that's all the instructors and the people that they've been around teach. So then, therefore, that is the word of God. And um, unfortunately, that's kind of sad when you can't look outside and see the bigger picture of things. I agree. Let's talk about the testing week. Okay, great. So the way the Power Athlete really is morphed is this idea that we've started three cycles. We started with the first cycle, which was the introduction phase, which I always like to call was the dating phase, where you got into people, we had a little bit of clusters, we had a good amount of conditioning, we really kind of introduced people, and that was really people's first exposure to Field Strong. And then into that second one, we got into what I call our tinsel strength building program, which was – Putting sandbags, heavy, uh, awkward implements, unilateral movements, a lot of lunging, stepping, just forcing people to get out of their comfort zone and get away from that really nice anatomically correct deal known as a barbell, that pure Olympic lifting. We went with our great dividends and worked with uh, a bunch of different athletes. And it just really comes down to this idea and we can go back to Pavel really greasing the groove where we're giving people enough lifts to help them get proficient at Olympic lifting. I think where really people struggle with Olympic lifting is never really getting enough reps to really be good at the stuff. So with the FORCE program, we have a really uh, a very finite, very set amount of reps and tonnage that we were going after. Almost all the lifts are in that, you know, we start counting lifts over 70%, but the majority of lifts were over 80 to 85%. We were squatting three to four days a week. Um, You know, it was really five training days. And the way we broke up the uh, light heavy medium was not based on percentage, but really on volume. After that third cycle, we realize or I, I realized that I wanted to do a testing week. I, I wanted to see who the athletes were. we would had it out there long enough and I needed a, a way to be able to test these guys and be able to figure out where we're going in the next cycles. And more importantly, if there's a divergence between the two groups. Uh, I had a theory and Luke and I, you know, I've really talked about this for a long time that if you can take a big, large cross section of people and you can put them into the funnel, really their first exposure to strength training with our linear amateur, uh, with our linear progression or their amateur profile, you're going to have those people come out and they're all going to be kind of in the same place from there. We needed a way to really You know, and we know what we want to do with the program after we get to that collegiate and that advanced template. But we wanted a way to be able to test them. We wanted a way to be able to really, you know, start focusing on their weaknesses and bringing up their strengths. So that that's really what this testing week is all about. So day one, we jumped out there and we did a jump or a strength jump deficit test which was uh comparing your ability to uh do a counter jump which would be like just a standard jump where your hips are completely open you go down to a close hip and then you jump up as high as you can for a vertical jump and then the second one is you squat down into a position and you pause for three seconds hopefully taking the stretch reflex out of it but after talking to louis simmons the other day they were able to do testing that showed the stretch reflex lasted as long as eight seconds yeah
2: but those guys are like
0: yeah they're mutants superhuman mutants so we took those numbers and then the next one we did was our muscle fiber test where we had you work up to a one rm for the collegiate professional and a three rm for our amateur athletes and then we had them cut to either 85 percent or 87.5% and bust out max reps. So really what that one does is it shows us what your one RM is and then your capacity, your ability to do reps at 85% over a certain amount, you're a little more on the slow twitch, under a certain amount, you're a little more fast twitch. But we needed to control for that. So we threw in a max rep pull-up test. And what that really was about showing us was, where's your limiting factor? If all of a sudden we know you got a big strong back, you got at least 10 to 15, 20 strict max or pull-ups. Obviously you've been training long enough, you got a pretty strong back. So then therefore we can put it out. Now, if we saw an athlete who, you know, let's say squatted 400 pounds and he had two reps at 85%, but he only had one max pull-up, then we know his limiting factor is really his back. Um, from there, we transitioned into um, uh, day two, which was oh, uh, our bench press test, where we had them work up to 1RM, a 3RM, and then max reps at that 85 and also 87.5%. And that was another kind of muscle fiber test. And then we threw a control at you with a bent over row. So we've been really fascinated with people's ability to do a horizontal row, just because it's not, even though we put in our program, it's not something people traditionally do. So we asked you to strap up and figure it out. Now, what should that ratio be? I have a number in my head based on what I can do and what the people around me can do, but we want to see what you guys do as a cross section. So that's why we're excited to see that number. And then the uh, uh, tomorrow, which is even gonna be more fun, and this is kind of based off of Louis's recommendation a little bit, he wanted to see what you guys could do for a just max effort box jump, uh, max height, and then also a seated box jump from a parallel box. So it'll be interesting just to compare those numbers with Monday's numbers. Thursday's gonna come back and we're gonna have a, a 50 meter uh, max effort sprint. So we're gonna see how fast you guys are in the 50 meters get four to seven, you know, top end reps over 90%. And then we're going to come in and we're going to do a 1RM power clean, 1RM power snatch so uh for years i've been saying that olympic lifting was just like vertical jumping with weight in your hand so if you notice majority of these tests are all about your body's ability to get vertical displacement so we know that that's a direct indication and directly indicated uh, indicator of strength so we're going to see what that is and then on friday we're going to come back with a one rm press three rm press and send some max reps at either 85 or 87 uh, and a half percent then we're gonna add a 1RM or a 3RM uh, chin-up. So you're gonna strap weight to your body. We're gonna see what you can get for one max, you know, the heaviest single rep you can do on a vertical pull. And then we have a conditioning test. So I'm not gonna let the cat out of the bag, but I'm pretty sure if you've been reading the forums and know, it's, uh, we're gonna have a little bit of a conditioning test. I gave everybody a little introduction to it last week and we're gonna see what you guys got. And we'll compare it to what we ran in the NFL and then come Saturday, we'll have another little conditioning test. So more classic CrossFit type deal. i are going to see what you guys can handle. So, Um, I'm really excited to get these numbers and this information just for the sheer fact that I'm getting background and history on everybody. Everybody's giving me their training, their weight, their age, uh, you know, how long they've been training, what they've been doing, what does it look like a little bit of history. So it really helps me kind of see who the group is and really start, you know, devising some program. And I already have some ideas on where this thing's going to go a little bit. So it's great information and I'm super excited. I know Texas too.
1: You know, what's, um, what I'm curious to see is in the past when I've done, when I've been on templates that have had me at like 80% of something and I'm talking years ago, um, basically before I found you guys, uh, you know, people will say like, if you want to get good at heavy, one rep, you know, maxes, you got to do one rep maxes. And it was like, when I was at 80%, I got good at 80% weights, but you know, when the day came where it was like, all right, here's, your, you know, let's see how, let's see you max out on the back squat. And I might put up a good number, but it wasn't like what I had expected. I thought I would just go in and fucking smash it. And then I started thinking, well, maybe it's because I was kind of in this 80% zone for too long. And it sounds like what you've seen so far, cause I'm, I'm like two weeks back on the program um, so I won't be doing the testing this week. But it sounds like what you're seeing is you're already seeing like great results. At, you know, like the, I'm assuming, um, you know, like this, uh, the Bob Takano uh, program that you wrote, um, everything is like sets of four at like 85%. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it, it really differs. Like uh, on the heavy days is fours, but we might even go down to doubles and triples on the, on the less volume days. But for most people, what was really beneficial about this program was... Their ability just to get reps i mean you know uh obviously for the more advanced lifter uh something like fours might not be as beneficial but for people that are kind of in that intermediate kind of beginning stage and i remember when bob first suggested it to me and uh, kind of wrote me out kind of the little matrix a little bit that he asked me to sign the program off of i looked at it and thought Fuck, this this guy's crazy there's no way that fours are going to be good for olympic lifting and i'm like squatting fours i mean it just seemed like kind of an oddball number and we wrote the program and I showed it to him and he said, looks great. Now I want you to test it. I want you to use it a bunch of your athletes. So we ran the program for nine weeks and when we went to go max out, uh, everybody was like exploded. Like everybody PR their lifts and it wasn't by like two or three kilos. It was like 10, 15 kilos. and even the more advanced lifters, I mean Bo Bergner, who's pretty advanced lifter, comes in and just was absolutely crushing all of his lifts, crushing his squats. Uh, Jesse, uh, myself, Kate, my wife, I mean everybody that we had doing the program and it was a pretty large cross section, just have phenomenal results. And I think the reason was it was just giving us more opportunities at the lifts and everybody was just more wired up it was giving us enough attempts um the weights were heavy enough to keep driving adaptation but not so heavy that technique was breaking down so people were really building these neuromuscular pathways and we're doing really well and uh you know the program was great but just like everything It has a time and it had a place. We used it for a point, and then I was able to transition into a different style of training. Now, if I had just gone back and run this program, you know, month after month, and this is all I'd been on, uh, you know, I think we would have seen a lot of diminishing returns. But I think it was just different enough and just outside of our comfort zone that it really forced adaptation, and I think we got some really great results, and I think it was a great opportunity to, to use it here just because it was, like we said, it was a little bit different. We started with that kind of first introduction program, which was kind of this really classical power athlete template of, you know, uh, intensity and volume and we kind of go through the whole deal and then obviously the sandbags which was you know pure field strong mixed with a little bit of power athlete and now you're getting into our little bit of our oldie stuff and it's kind of this really cool blend and i'm excited now to get into this four cycle and you know start putting in a lot more plyo a lot more speed work um you know as we start filming and really getting you guys more we can start really start working on a lot of this you know just kind of speed and strength and i think from uh, you know, the feedback we've been getting is, you know, like with goals, you know, people want to get stronger. They want to get more muscular. They want to put on size. They want to be explosive. They want to be fast. Uh, you know, we did have a guy that canceled recently that sent us our, our, feedback and he just wanted more conditioning. And I, I've been meaning to email him and be like, well, what are your numbers? You know, I mean, is, you know, like you might think, you know, what you need, but we're going to tell you what you, what we think you need. And, you know, you might be in uh, you know, want more conditioning and burn yourself down. But at the end of the day, man, I want you to be strong. I want you to be fast. I just don't need you to be in great condition. So I think if you're just looking to come in and fucking kick yourself in the nuts and set yourself on fire every day, um, you're going to get a dose of that, but it's not going to be fucking every day in the meat grinder just because it makes it extremely hard for me to reach my other goals, which is, you know, I want everybody to have a double bodyweight back. I don't want everybody to be able to jump up, you know, on a, you know, a box, probably two thirds of their height. I mean, you know, we love as we were kind of going through laying out, uh, you know, what I would envision for this. And this really started with Luke and I talking a little bit when I asked Luke about his goals, like, like, what do you want to be? Do you want to be, you know, 4% body fat? Would you rather be this? You know, I kind of laid it out to him and he's like, I just want to be so explosive and so fast that when people watch me lift, they think, fuck, that guy's fast. That guy's explosive. He can just rip that bar in half. I mean, you squat and it's a bar just shoots through like you're ringing a bell and, you know, it, be able to jump and move and really be uh, a very, very proficient, very good athlete and one that's very aesthetically pleasing that people watch. And uh, I mean, that's, I, I think that's pretty lofty goals. I mean, that's a more lofty, more, uh, you know, exciting and like something worthy of a goal more so than be like, well, I just want to be, you know, skinny with good abs or, you know, I just want to go on every day and fucking get my soul destroyed. And you know what? I mean, that's, you know, that people like that shit, but at the end of the day, man, like it's, you know, we're we're talking about building power athletes. We're talking about creating a, large group and army of people that are just fucking tearing the bars in half and really being able to walk into any gym and do anything and be the best person out there. So, um, you know, and it takes time. Um, you know, we got to dose and we, we got to give everything dose related. We got to give enough of what I want enough, of what you want and kind of balance the whole thing out. And that's why you're seeing really kind of different cycles. So we can not only expose people's weaknesses, but put them through a really diverse style of training that you know follows a little bit methodology and i know we talked
2: about this at length before in previous episodes but that's the component that people totally forget about is time the magnitude of time and uh the sense that like everybody wants it to happen quickly but the reality is that only that's that novice window that's your first six months in the gym but after that things come slow and it's just it's consistency and being persistent with it and it's shitty because i'm i want it now like (laughs) that's the attitude but i think most of our people are long enough in their training life cycle or far enough along where they know that it's just and and we've preached it before it just takes time and uh you know we're not trying to steer anyone wrong we have we have the recipe we have the the combination of volume intensity it's gonna happen it's gonna happen just stick to it
0: yeah and it's hard work i mean the uh moving the dirt model has been you know we've talked about it so many times this idea of like it's this big pile of dirt over here and there's i got to move it over here some days i get a shovel some days i get a spoon but as long as i keep moving the dirt every day i'm moving towards my goal the problem is is you know when you're young and spry and this is your first you know experience moving dirt you're just running in there just shovel after shovel every day and then after 10, 20 years of moving that damn pile, you're like, fuck, I still gotta move this pile. All right, well, I'm gonna give you a big shovel today. Tomorrow it might be a, <laughs> my kids, uh, uh, you know, sand, yeah, yeah. sand shovel. I mean, who knows? I might even be able to get a teaspoon in there occasionally but we always were kind of fighting that goal and always headed down that road. And what's exciting too, is when I start reading a lot of the the feedback I'm getting, it's like a lot of the people that are like, I'm um, you know, 30, 32, 34 years old, I've been training this long and I've been doing this and now I'm doing this and these are the gains I'm making. And so people are moving towards it. And I think, a lot of people are kind of coming out of this. I mean, what's good is a lot of people I've read are coming out across the football, so they're used to following a program, they're used to training with a goal, they're used to having this, you know, kind of little periodization deal where, hey, I'm moving from point A to point B and I'm getting there. A lot of people come out of more of a you know, standard, uh, you know, some other standard kind of, you know, maybe like a normal gym, more normal box environment where it's kind of this constantly varied deal and, um, you know, strength was just another element or speed was just another element. And now we We've taken a program and really put and put strength, speed, and power up front, and uh, you know really kind of you know focused on those. And as that kind of comes, we'll you know be able to develop everything. But I think everything works a little bit better when you're just stronger.
1: Yeah, and I like how you uh, how you're prioritizing like movement. You know, like the you want power athletes to move at a different standard than the norm you know and i can remember watch you know when Strong first came out and started clicking those videos and um even like some of the stuff that luke was doing i was like god damn man you know it, it's just like a different look everything i don't want to say it looks perfect but it looks it perfect. looks proper
2: it's perfection denny per- it's oh, perfect.
1: it, don't let it go to your head summers <laughs> No, Luke's he's probably got a big grin right now, rolling up his sleeves. No, but you here? No, but I can imagine. I can imagine. But I mean, you know, and you guys kind of touched base on it on the um, roundtable discussion as well. But um, you know, going through like the um, the, the primals and a vertical and horizontal pressing and pulling I mean, being proficient at movements like that and getting stronger at them, having the tensile strength, you know, your, your movements, if you you know, if you're on a path to master those, when you go do a fucking Metcon or something, and those are, you know, since you're good at the primal movements, you're going to go through the Metcon. You could almost just kind of slow it down a notch and just frickin hammer it out and you'll still perform probably more aesthetically pre- pleasing and faster and better than fucking everybody else who well, I mean, isn't the
0: power athlete. Well, I mean, we, we were just watching, uh, Kilcliffe posted up a video there, Battle, the, like, Battle of the Girls, I think it was. And we got to see, I think it was um, Stacey Tovar versus Brooke Ence, uh doing Fran. And I mean, Stacey Tobar's movement, looks phenomenal i mean every squat was really good she would sit back in her hips her foot placement was good i mean full extension i mean everything that she did was extremely you know, pleasing to watch and just no wasted movement and i was like looking at her i was like dude that was a impressive to watch somebody do something you know where it's aesthetically pleasing now i mean you know we're, we're just talking about thrusters and pull-ups here i mean and if she can't thruster and pull up i mean she's been in the games for a long time uh you know she she wouldn't have got where she is but i mean even in you know the uh the zigzag run and watching her do some things i mean she's a good mover and a really good athlete and it's always nice to see good athletes doing something athletic it's always pleasing to the eye and it's always you know fun to watch and um you know i think where people get a lot of these contests and a lot of this stuff get a bad rap is you know people are trying to move faster than their proper movement allows i mean really it's one of those things where you know you develop the movement and you start ratcheting up the speed and the intensity uh, as your body's ability to do these movements and you know people like you know like stacy Tobar, you see uh, rich froning or these other guys do this crossfit stuff i mean they are really, really efficient, good movers. You watch it do it and it looks aesthetically pleasing. I mean it's just the same thing watching NBA basketball or pro football. Um you know we watch these guys run down the sideline, you're watching the quarterback throw. I mean, everything they do is you know, your natural coach's eye tells you like, wow, that looks really good. That looks really nice. That looks very graceful. It looks effortless. It looks easy. And when we really defined athleticism I mean, we we sat in this kind of beautiful mind moment with, you know, how do we define athleticism? CrossFit went out and staked a claim and said, you know what, this is fitness, much like Power Athlete is defined, you know, as staked a claim and been like, you know what, this is what it means to be an athlete. And it's that ability to move effortlessly through different planes of motion different primal movement patterns and the ability to kind of seamlessly try them together and flow through them seem uh, effortlessly is really what we think is the demonstration of athleticism and people I don't you they know there are great athletes and there's people that being, that are able to demonstrate athleticism and, you know, watching people do something athletic, the ability to move their feet, change direction, multi- movement space, multiple planes of motion is really what we're after. I mean, we want people that can do all those things well. And so to do those things, we have to give you opportunities to do them. And we have to design a style of training that really prioritizes movement. Now, if the style of training we have just has you with your feet planted and going up and down, like you're in a doorway, then you know what. Uh, while you might be a great athlete, that's not a great demonstration of athleticism. So, a big part of this field strong program is: can you step? Can you lunge? Can we squat? Can we run? Can we hop? Can we change direction? Can we do all these things? Can we get you moving in a whole bunch of different ways? And is it efficient? Is it good? Are you strong within your trunk? Are you able to, you know, connect, you know, the lower extremities to the upper extremities with this strong, stable platform? And these are all the things. I mean, do you have good posture? Do you have good movement? Um, you know, and then how are you able to tie them together? And I've, I really believe that if you break things down to the minutia, to the individual components, like we said, our prime movement patterns, and we're able to strengthen and challenge those, and then we start tying them together, then I think that's where we really get back. And that idea. We talk about chunking model with, you know, when you look at people teaching them how to read, I mean, you, you know, like I do with my kids, we have flashcards and I teach them letters and those letters become words. Those words become sentences. Sentences become paragraphs. Paragraphs become, you know, pages and books. And then, you know, those pages and books become novels. And I really, uh, you know, back coming from my teaching background and, you know, my master's stuff, I mean, that was really the the fundamental. And when I looked at working with athletes and designing this program, that became paramount and that became such a... a, a concept, but I think where people look at it is, you know, in the idea of a lot of stuff. I mean, hey, I'm going to throw a complex movement at you. Like, for example, you bring somebody into your CrossFit gym and you show them muscle-ups. Okay, great. What is a muscle-up? It's a vertical pull to a horizontal push. So would it make sense to teach somebody to do a strict pull-up or a, a strict pull-up on the rings? And then as they develop their strength to become more patient, uh, proficient, stable, then you know what, we're gonna teach them how to do a uh, you know a parallel bar dip to a ring dip, and then you can kind of start transitioning these movements. And then at some point, you're gonna have to transition them into that you know uh, movement where you go from the vertical pull and then dump yourself into that horizontal push. So like that's just an example of what we do and how we always trained our athletes like let's start with the basics let's teach them those initial letters and then as they become proficient with their letters we can start adding more and more things together opposed from just walking calculus uh, here's war and peace and we're gonna throw it at you so
2: I mean pretty timely text just jumped on and it's you know that's an element of this concept of praxis that he just recently wrote about in his article text do you do you have us
3: uh, yeah can you hear me
2: yeah, I got you. Awesome. Uh, so we can get started now. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, John was just going through his testing <laughs> and power athlete model. And, uh, you know, Denny was talking about just how great of a mover I was in my demo videos. No, how, how John's, you know, one of John's objectives with the Field Strong Program and, and our objective with power athlete the power athlete protocol is just that that aesthetically pleasing movement and it should you know movement and combinations of movement should be fluid it should be rhythmic i don't know like it should almost look uh look more artistic than than like uh like grindy you know and uh that that effortless combination of those primal movement patterns in terms of how that relates with praxis and quickness how would you i mean how would you plug in on that and um, and before and you know what, Luke, just to
1: kind of follow up with what you said it, the movement should look strong and, and stable.
3: Mm-hmm. So yeah, just uh, jumping off that kinesthetic awareness, I called it uh, I think uh, neuromuscular skill or kinesthetic skill, I think in the, uh, the quickness. And that's just your ability of, this is the task. I'm going to control my body through space and then execute it as it's required. Uh, whether it's through a description or through a video, and you've never performed that before, that's that's what we're training through praxis. And then true praxis is you go out to the field, you got somebody guarding you, and the ball's not perfectly placed, but you still got to execute. You know those toes forward, hard cut, jump, and do everything with your skill set and perform a task
2: that you've never completed before at a high velocity and a high stress. So that's, and then, uh, you know, the foundation and fundamentals of that that's the chunking model that John was just talking about in terms of, you know, how could you, how can one expect to conquer an unknown complex movement scenario when they don't have the fundamental movement patterns mastered? And that's where it comes down to your squat, step, lunge, uh, various forms of stress in the form of load, rep- uh, repetition, frequency, planes of motion, things like that. So. Uh, just kind of getting you up to speed, Tex. We were just talking chunking model and and the, the testing period on uh, power athlete.
3: Yeah. And then that's where injuries occur when that athlete is put in a situation that their body is not prepared for. So even if they've never trained or tested or experienced that situation, even if they've never moved through the transverse plane, that's when they get hurt. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, that.
1: well, I mean, you just released your hip uh, stability article as well. Um, You mentioned in there, though, that too many coaches focus more on, like, the sagittal plane of movement with their athletes. And I wanted to ask you if you could, I mean, do you have, like, a couple examples of that?
3: uh yes one 100 probably too many examples and at the unfortunate cost of athletes career and potential professional careers uh so i talk about it at the seminar uh just the experience i saw at texas you've got these pro caliber guys and they were doing just sagittal plane violent hip extension every single day over and over again and they were really over overloading that movement pattern they weren't doing a lot of stability mobility or Real change of direction it was just kind of power snatches uh sandbag slams box jumps and then four of those athletes ended up tearing their groin off the bone so uh, i mean the sport of football you don't know what to expect especially of the high velocity that those guys are gonna, gonna play at and the coach wasn't even preparing them for those unexpected situations he was just preparing for hey, go hard, go fast, deep dips, deep explosive, and it was a lot of rah-rah training versus actually preparing these guys for the field of battle. So overloading movement pattern is just, hey, s- sandbag slams, squats, just in that sagittal plane, and then just doing reps on reps on reps of violent hip extension. Even if it's changing you know, power snatches to sandbag slams, it's still the same fucking movement.
4: Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's still that bilateral hinging of the hip.
2: Yes. Hey guys, Callie's here. Woo!
4: Woo! Let me plug in here.
0: What's up, Callie?
2: Dan said,
4: what's up? What's up? up? Oh, you know, our viewership just went up by 33.3% repeating. That's
2: one (laughs) viewer. thank you oh, kelly's here oh, so Danny, uh, did you did you have any other points that you want to talk about with, with texas uh, quickness article
1: well i i definitely like um how we went into the uh reaction time how you know quickness isn't speed speed from what i know of speed speed is just like movement in any different direction. If you were to like focus that direction, then it's more velocity. And in in that article, Tex talks about, you know, quickness isn't speed, quickness comes down to reaction time. And then he gives um, what the the definition of reaction time is, right Tex? Um, The latency phase, and what's that other one?
2: I got it
3: right here. So we got latency and response phase. So latency phase is genetic. Yeah. And so uh,
1: could that be improved on? Because in that article, it's kind of like, well, it's genetic. It is what it is. Um, But I'm starting to think of like Daniel Coyle's book. And if if you try to improve that myelination, does it
3: work? So that that uh, that myelination, that's the second part. That's going to be your response phase. And then I included anticipation because, I mean, the more uh, kind of situations you're going to find yourself in a sport, the better and faster, quote unquote, you're going to react and quicker you're going to react because you recognize that uh, situation. But uh, when I was writing this, the, I was using myself as a, an example. I, uh, I played d MIDI in lacrosse and where I thrived and was really successful was in uh, six on six and then kind of five on six situations where they ran plays. And so I could read a play, and I could be in a position to, you know, uh, perform better. But then when I failed and I faltered, most often was just uh, one-on-one situations, fast breaks when I had to react and, you know, be quick. So uh, it's kind of the combining that anticipation and then uh, responding. You can get in that position quicker. So we, if we train the position, we can essentially – get quicker. We can't do anything about the latency phase, but we can train uh, train that foot position, that position to to play defense, uh, respond to a pass rusher and do anything like that. I think John's John's may experience some quickness drills. And I mean, the fastest, uh, he's experienced more fast, uh, you know, stresses than any of us have. I don't know if he's got a take on quickness
0: well, I, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, we needed to put together a, uh, uh, you know, and that was something that we commented on and I talked to you about after the article is, you know, what's the practical takeaway of that? I and mean, it's great information, but you know, I'm sure people read that. And they thought, well, how do I implement this into my training? And so of what we got to do, we got to go out there and actually put in a practical together and we'll put in a lot of the stuff. I mean, you know, text we used a bunch of it when we worked with the Reebok guys or the Athens out at Reebok, that ability to, you know, start in one pattern and get into the other and then, uh, you know, The other best part for the quickness is also the reaction stuff, but also competing against somebody. So it's super hard to get in there and start doing reaction drills and quickness type stuff if you don't have somebody wanting to compete against and you don't have another person calling it so um you know but you can also do things where you have somebody go on you but it's really hard to to do a a, you know a lot of high level reaction without some form of competition involved so um you know we'll have to go and put together a series of uh of drills and also kind of add this stuff in when we do you know here in the fourth uh uh, our fourth deal
3: yeah man and uh just based off what i've been reading kind of uh we're going to take the approach You got to train auditory. You got to train uh, visual, and you got to train tactical. So just feeling and moving, and then you got to train quickness out of you know the X, Y, and the Z position. So the lunge, the step up, and essentially kind of your athletic position, the X. So I mean, we're gonna piece that together, but then have a lot of conversations and kind of develop a program. I mean, I, I, I looked around. There's nothing for it, and I know my athletic career kind of I didn't have anything for it, and I
0: faltered because of it. There there was uh, one drill that I really go back into this day, I think is probably one of my better, uh, you know, better drills. And and I've played this game for years with people is my brothers and I used to play bloody knuckles and hot hands (laughs) and bloody knuckles, hot hands. uh, That was like our game wherever we were. Everywhere. I mean, we're sitting in the back of the car, we're you know, screwing around, we don't have anything to do, we play Hot Hands Bloody Knuckles. And that game, I firmly believe, uh, you know, that and the boxing stuff, was so beneficial for me as a kid to developing fast hands. So uh, I had an opportunity, I was in Japan a couple of years ago and we were at uh, my buddy Rick's um, agent's house, this guy Masa, and Masa's like, I think uh, one of the, you know, his level of mastery for martial arts was, uh, you know, so far off of the charts. I mean, I remember it was like, you know, every, he, he had a multiple, you know, disciplines and he was a 10th degree black belt and all these. And then, you know, Masa's in his 50s and trained from the time he was three years old. And uh, claimed that you know, and I asked him about his hand speed, and he said his hands were fast. So we ended up playing some bloody knuckles and some hot hands after a few drinks. And uh, Moss's hands were fast, but it was actually but not were tiny. His, It wasn't his hand it wasn't that his hand speed, it was the fact that his hands were so calloused, is so fucking oh. calcified that when we did the first one, he would put our knuckles out and I did this as I went to hit him. I hit his hand it was like hitting a cinder block and yeah. i was like damn i wish he moved his hand yeah. <laughs> so and he like looked at me and he kind of winked a little bit and i was like oh this motherfucker but we ended up having a pretty good game there, I mean, he, that
4: reminds me of yesterday when, when you were trying to catch flies out of midair.
0: <laughs> well, <that's> probably... <laughs> training, we, were, we were
4: training quickness in the office.
0: Yeah, we, uh, there, there were some fruit flies hanging out in here. Uh, so I
4: called you the Count of Monte Cristo, really, yeah. and you actually got that reference. Yeah, and
0: I was like, oh, what am I, dodging uh, droplets? Drops but, of water. I mean, so much of what we did uh, you know, as an NFL player, especially offensive lineman, was that ability to set back and then be able to put your hands anywhere you want. I mean, it was uh, one of those skills that I developed at a young age and really just paid dividends. For the majority of my NFL career, and I just don't think people put enough, uh, you know, really, you know, like just emphasis on these type of things. I mean, the other big one was uh, juggling. How many people in here can juggle? I'm gonna raise my hand. I raise my hand as well. Yeah. So uh, juggling was a big one. Juggle off. So when I was a kid, my brother told me the only thing I was going to be able to do in life was join the circus, so I better pick up a talent. So I started learning to juggle when I was pretty young, and uh, that's that was another thing. It's a good
4: thing you didn't <laughs> say, like, prostitution or something.
0: <laughs> that's what your brother tried to sell you when you were a kid.
4: Uh... Uh, that was tough. I accidentally said that.
0: <laughs> you were like, uh, you, that came out of your mouth, and you are like, Sean's uh, totally going to take this to a bad place.
4: Uh, I know it. Uh, but it's, it's funny. Uh, I know I'm kind of coming to the tail end of this conversation, but... Uh, this sort of reminds me of like training quickness and stuff and reaction time and and being in a good position. Um, It's funny because Ben actually had myself and like four other people uh, in class the other day, and he had us uh, training reaction time. So he would tell me – and the other people, how much weight he wanted us to add, and then on his command he would like shout our name or um, give us like a command, and we didn't know what the interval was going to be like, but he was dictating like both the weight and like when he wanted us to go, and our job was to, like stay as tight as possible until it was kind of like, boom, like speed, you know? And then how fast could we, like, move the bar? And then obviously, like, it was a submaximal load, but I just thought it was, it was just an interesting thing because everybody has their way that they like to approach the bar, the way they want to lift or a speed that they're comfortable with. But I just thought, like, re- reacting to his auditory kind of commands was an interesting thing that I hadn't done, so.
0: <clears throat> what was the movement you did?
4: We were doing power cleans and hang power cleans yeah so it's just being as explosive as possible and kind of like that loaded position it was, it was cool it was very very cool so kelly so
1: you, you know what um i haven't had a chance to talk to you and if so i forgot
4: well you don't totally... return my phone calls anymore denny I you know what i'm always
1: busy i'm always busy
4: <laughs> that's what they all say
1: <laughs> Um. This is we're going to kind of change up the subject, but I on I'm scared the skill on your uh, the snatch warm up and like the clean warm up. All right. Mm-hmm. You're in those videos. Great yes. mover as well. Don't let it go to your head. Like Luke's already there. And, like he's probably still smiling because I gave him a good comment.
4: That's why you they don't you that's why you don't see me in a lot of demo videos because they're like they almost think I'm too good. Mm. Yeah. Oh.
1: <laughs> no, but when you with any kind of squatting movement right you do like this little forward pelvic movement and then sit back i wanted to ask you about that
4: uh, you know that's something that i picked up from ben actually ben does the same thing and it's more of like when i'm going for like say a set of 5 or something i i sort of stack my hips underneath my shoulders and i don't know it's it's almost like a mental thing it's probably not necessarily a good habit but it it's not creating any poor movement patterns to me so like john what he's talking about is like where you get set and you kind of tuck your hips underneath and to me that's just like my mental what
0: you guys do though but you go from a kind of unloaded position you squeeze and then you go back
4: yeah well the idea hypothetically the idea is to stay uh locked but you know
0: yeah you guys go from a lax position and then you go and then you go back whereas i would expect that when you took the bar off you would already be in that position of right. squat back so if you're able to get up there and so the, i can do the lumbata with the weight right, and,
4: right well the thing is i i don't do typically squat. typically uh in when i'm unracking the bar i don't do it on my first rep i'll do it on the subsequent reps and i'm not sure why that is but i
0: also do that my then, brother Ed does it. Ed? Maybe you got it from my brother Ed. How
4: dare you? <laughs>
0: maybe, maybe you have been taking cues and training from my brother Ed. All right,
4: well, maybe. Maybe. We have been playing a lot of bloody knuckles lately. Um, you there, Denny?
1: Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah.
4: I mean, it's, it's a, we all have sort of like our weird things. Um, and like John said, I remember being coached up like when I originally came out here and... He would just kind of tell me like, you just need to sit back. You don't you don't have to have any of that hip English. Stay tight, and you just need to sit back. Like don't don't try to disconnect the pelvis in any way. Don't try to adjust. Um, just stay as tight as you can and uh so it's it's like habits that i'm working through but you know everybody has some like fucking weird thing that they do
1: yeah i you know what i was just wanted to make
0: sure it wasn't something that I do. Missing, you know that you should do you know what i
4: mean well
0: normally what i do is i give Callie a walnut and she has to keep it in her butt cheeks and uh-huh. she has to crack the walnut as she's squatting and yeah. the problem is we just ran out of walnuts
4: well, I've, just, I've had the same one for how long have I been out here?
0: I've been eating so many walnuts. <laughs> what about like the stash Well, that's how we eat them. We first crack them with the butt cheeks, and then that's how you get them. Yeah. Poor, poor Callie hasn't had a walnut. You know, that's why our omega- omega-3s are getting a little lump. where the carbs came from, John? What's that? Is that where the term earn your carbs comes from?
4: Well, that's where
0: we got to earn the
3: fat. We tried it with bread. It didn't work out the same. <laughs> yeah.
4: No. It goes straight to
1: your ass. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. I see some people try and do the same thing. And um, I also saw it in one of the squatting videos that uh, somebody sent to you guys. And Tex and Luke were kind of coaching them up on what to do. And Tex, you mentioned um, that certain dude, like, was he had like an anterior pelvic tilt. And you're like, you got to get rid of that. You got to get rid of that. Just sit back. Yeah, do you remember I,
3: that? Uh, I'm sure. Did I just get disconnected again? Um, oh,
2: no, you're, you're, you're in here. Didn't click on mute. But go uh, on. Text. Go go. Uh, I mean, we talk about
3: that a lot. So a lot of people misinterpret the cue. Push your hips back for do a little butt flick. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, and that's that's uh, what Kelly was talking about earlier. She turns her hips underneath. She posteriorly posteriorly
0: tilts. Because she's uh, putting the vibe out
4: no we no that, no we call
0: that putting out the vibe no
4: that's anterior <laughs> anterior pelvic tilt is putting out the vibe posterior is a lady uh, uh uh this that's the lady squat where you keep everything close to you and you sit back like a lady right yes. so, <laughs> i don't know let me say lady one more time lady go on
0: text but how does the bar affect <laughs> your pearl necklace <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> yeah, because,
3: <laughs> it's it's like telephone Somebody said push your hips back, Mm -hmm. then somebody somewhere along the way interpret that as a little butt flick, and then it's just blown up. So we're
2: trying – that's what we're combating. That's what we're trying to
3: teach at the, the football cert.
4: Yeah.
2: Now, and, I, don't, I don't know if you guys remember Robbie uh, Robbie G, one of Carl's training partners from South Bend, he came out to Newport with Carl for a seminar. Yeah. I remember when he would hit hit flick his hips so violently that the bar would whip yeah. when his hips dropped out from under him. Yeah. And I saw him a few months ago and he fixed it. He yeah. didn't sit back into it and uh, it was dead bugs.
0: That was a trick. So yeah. anybody who has that hip <laughs> flip... Dead bugs, I'm telling you, dead bugs fix everything.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's uh none of our – none of the kids at our basketball team, none of them, very few of them have any sort of hip flick. No, because they – right
4: Yeah, there. it's really great because they haven't – like, they haven't had – habits but we've been having a dead bug like every day like crazy yeah. but like just for the record so no one's confused i don't have a hip flick like that was a, a removed from my training very a long time ago um, i can
0: see we found a sensitive spot listen Ooh, i think i saw a hip i don't want to talk early. about so it. you remember like I'm two sorry. weeks ago when you made that comment about my hip flick i don't have that <laughs> uh,
4: i'm still thinking about it <laughs> still <But>. mad <laughs>
1: All right, so what do we got as far as any updates coming
2: out of HQ? Well, I got a question from Murray, our buddy Murray down under. He says uh, he's asking, John, uh, are you planning on having more test weeks uh, in the coming cycles? Sorry if you mentioned it earlier, just joining on.
4: God damn it, Murray.
0: um, Well, yeah, there will be more tests. Uh, I would say after this week there might be Uh, another series of lifting tests maybe with the only movements in a couple weeks after we do some other stuff. So uh, this is just kind of the physical testing um, for just kind of the vertical displacement stuff, but we might have more testing down the road. I know I want to test test, uh, actually a full clean, a full snatch. We won't do that for a couple weeks. Uh, Like I said, we're going to test the power clean, power snatch here on uh, Thursday. So uh, yeah, you never know what's going to come back, but you know, we'll also get into some more conditioning stuff and we're, you know, we're doing the lactic acid threshold test. We're going to have some more kind of classic kind of uh, what you'd expect in terms of the the football power athlete stuff. So we might throw those at it. But, you know, these tests will come up periodically just so that we can constantly keep evaluating our people.
4: So, I hope, so, uh, I don't know if you guys talked about this earlier because I walked in when you were talking about the testing, but I hope that some people video some of their testing. It'd be awesome, because we that part of would our concern amazing. is that everyone's doing it mm-hmm. properly. So, like, you know, just to have an idea of how everyone's kind of conducting, um, and just making sure they're ad- administering their own tests appor- appropriately, like. You yeah, know, start. A, we'll start a thread. Uh, start them. a thread. I know a guy. He'll start a thread.
0: Yeah, and we also have that spreadsheet coming out. Yeah. So please. Yeah, write down your results. You're
2: going to get a link for a spreadsheet later tonight to to record all this stuff, so we can have it.
0: I've been trying to scribble them down on a yellow pad, and it's looking like a crazy person. No, we're gonna we're gonna format it, cube it, chart it, heat map. You know what I'm talking about? Callie. rechart
4: it. Yeah, I got you. We're gonna have I color coding.
0: You. We're gonna create a big banner in here, and it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, it's, it's gonna in the be. Matrix. It. So uh, we're just gonna stare at it after like ten tequila Sounds, so we're like, to get that sounds like you
4: have a really specific vision for that. So you want me to take So
0: it? you
2: gotta work. take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, so Denny, uh, you want some updates from us? What's going on?
1: Absolutely. Um, somebody asked me the other day, you know, because I'm assembling my team of destruction for the Power Athlete Team Series, nice. and it's like, uh, where's it at? And I'm like, well, I know it's in Chicago. Well, <laughs> which gym? And I'm like, they haven't announced it yet.
4: Well, it's in Chicago. Come
1: on. Is that all you need to know? Bears. Yeah, it'll,
4: it'll be. It'll be at uh, a new gym out there, so CrossFit uh, Amplify, oh, or uh, sorry, CrossFit Naperville.
1: It's gonna be at Naperville? Yeah, yeah. so Neil, Neil's expanding Oh, his Neil's gym. probably got a huge fucking Woody on that. Yeah.
2: What's a Woody? Well, it's a, <laughs> he's a character in Toy Story. <laughs> Tom Hanks is the voice. Oh, yeah. But, uh, oh, no, I love him. So Neil's, Neil's expanding his gym this year. He's got a couple other rooms that it's gonna be a little more suitable for, for an event of that caliber. So I was over there checking it out and reported back to Cali, and it looks like that we're. Did you be, say
4: so. an event of that Caliber?
2: Cali, <laughs> um, and then where else? Where else are we at?
4: So in Baltimore, we'll we'll be at uh, CrossFit Syndicate. Woo! Ow! And then in OKC, we're at Coda CrossFit. Woo! And then in NorCal, we're still trying to work with. Uh, with freddie to see where the best possible facility is because as we know he moved on to fremont i believe it is yeah
0: crossfit of fremont, RIP. CrossFit fremont. RIP. CrossFit and then seattle
4: on. i'm still oh. uh reaching out my feelers out there to see if if anyone is interested in hosting the power athlete team series so we have like two gyms we're looking at currently but if anybody is interested or knows of somebody who might be interested um please just contact me callie at powerathletehq.com um and we'll see if they can meet the requirements but um super excited to get things going just need you get your team assembled, assemble Denny, and sign up. Yeah, you know, I kind
1: of feel under pressure because, I mean, fucking Playtech's out here. He's like a professional athlete now. He's like a He is not I like. Think I think I have been. to do something. Like, I think I have, my team has to win the Power Athlete Team Series.
4: It could.
0: Well, are you going to bring in Playtech as a ringer? is <laughs> a ringer. I mean, you know, now that he's a professional athlete, he's under contract, he probably just can't He never returns him. my calls. Yeah, he, he just can't it's come in. Yeah, he can't come in and swoop up on some on some like you know on the international global search for the world's most powerful athlete. You know, it's probably a little outside of his realm. Playtech,
2: no way to defend himself.
4: Right no, well. every time I try to
0: reach out to him, he's
1: he's got a freaking uh, he's got a dude now.
4: Is it just his message? He's like, believe it or not, Playtech isn't at home.
1: <laughs> the greatest American hero song.
4: <laughs> well, I mean, is that what you're
1: kind of That's what
0: it sounds like
4: Seinfeld don't worry about well,
0: it mean, you know, Oh I Seinfeld Have you seen all these pictures of Playtech His hair the faux hawk is just popping You know he's got pictures with his shirt off You know he's got a whole new class of friends now now, now that he has a Team, he doesn't, you know, the power athlete. No, 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 yeah.
4: no, that, that's not entirely true because he hits us up, he hashtags us like no other. Yeah, yeah. and I, I text
2: for play tech all the time. Maybe just got to be nice to
0: him. Do? Yeah, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little mean to him. I bully him. It's all right. It's all right. One, one one of these days. But I just love. I mean, like, what are his students saying that he's just off caravanning, exercising? <laughs> oh, he's crushing it. Summer break, isn't it? Is it some break?
4: He teaches women's studies. They don't care.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Does he teach women's studies? I don't know. I think oh. so. He's a- Professor Booty. <laughs> yeah,
4: I thought that get his name.
0: Yeah, he teaches the psychology of the woman's mind. It's just like a little rat running around the wheel over and over again, right? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> By rat you mean mouse. <laughs> yeah.
4: uh, so so the games are coming up, and then we have a bunch of seminars. The games, in. the games, my thing. The games.
2: Yeah, so here's let's let's go over the breakdowns. So this weekend, oh, John, Tex, and I are going to be traveling out to San Antonio for the Texas High School Coaches Association. Yeah. going to be back home with Chelsea. They're going to be. I'm holding, competing. Home down the What's that, Tex? Uh, nothing. Go. Go. uh whoa are you still like an hour behind uh i'm I, I gonna go coach right. Oh, okay see you bud bye bye uh Callie's gonna be competing wadding
4: <laughs> repping this this is my last this is my last competition ever <laughs> i swear to god why Cause I just I can't do it anymore. Why? Because this suffer. is this is a really hard competition. It's gonna suck. If anyone wants to see the workouts it's called Stars and Bars, run by Proving Grounds. It's in San Diego. And uh, you're if you're a competitive crossfitter, you'll be like, This is nothing. But listen, for me it's like, oh, I wanna just die. What is it? It's just lots of stuff. It's three events. It's it's one day. 18 pound? Isn't it an 18 pound pistol? It's basically like the games.
2: You said you said it's an 18 pound pistol.
4: (laughs) Well, I thought it was 18 cat 18 kilo. So I've been practicing with 18 kilo, and as it turns out, that's my one RM pistol. So (laughs) it's a problem. Anywho, and then after this weekend, then we've got the games. The games. games. Yeah. So dog games. We're going to be out there have a tent. We're
2: going to have vertical jump test again. What else? Curling. Curling. We're mm-hmm. going to have all you can
4: curl. The sport, also, not the uh, exercise. I
0: think um, the assault bike guys, I hit them up to get us an oh. assault bike so we can maybe do some lactic acid threshold testing. I love it. I
4: just want to stay and look lean, like while I'm there, just exercising the whole time.
0: That's what I, I already look like that. <laughs> Stop <laughs> exercising and just don't eat carbs.
4: Oh, is that <laughs>
0: and it? And sleep like 20 hours a day.
2: But uh, yeah, so let's do that. When we did the lactic acid threshold training. So it was five rounds, right? 30 seconds. Is that what we did? And we both scored
0: 125 calories on the new air. The was like Shut 650, up. 650. Impossible. And you got 650. Oh, 650. Okay. No, I I, I can't remember uh, what we got, but it was... How
4: like, many? How 100. long?
0: 100. 120, come on John, Like okay. add 20 at least Okay, sorry
2: <laughs> So yeah, we're going to have to test that Yeah, these numbers
4: 10. sound extremely accurate No, so John
2: got like 110, I, I got 98 calories
4: yeah. For how long? How
2: long? Uh,
0: five 30 second rounds Two minutes rest in between I think I got a little, yeah, it was something like that You got 110 because that
2: first one you didn't go off That's pretty, pretty good On the first round
0: Yeah, so yeah, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to do it again Because my thing didn't chart up And then I also restarted it like an idiot I should have just add a uh, running total. But yeah, we'll, we'll do that again. And, Today. Uh, I, I think we should do that test at the games. And uh, we will, let's set the bar. And then if they get over, we'll get like a free tote bag or something.
4: I think we should set them a bloody knuckles booth.
0: play <laughs> bloody <I laughs> knuckles with People all day no. long.
4: All day. Oh, wait.
0: Should Should we have like. Five dollars no charity. See, Luke is scared
4: because he job. didn't grow up with a brother. So. No, I
2: played, I, I have sensitive digits. This is the so end of my
4: next chain. I value uh, this.
0: like, Get well, those okay, tiny little we balls. Have two booths. We'll have a kissing booth for Callie and Chelsea. So you come, you pay five dollars and watch us kiss Callie each other. <laughs> it's Ten dollars to watch them kiss each other. So five dollars if you want to kiss them, you like just like Revenge of the Nerd style, and mm-hmm. then it'll be a five dollar booth. Uh, to play bloody knuckles with me. So you pay to get your hand smashed by your big <laughs> cinder block knee. But knees. it's for charity. Oh, okay, I get it. It's a go to Wade's Army, so I will smash your knuckles. And
2: I'll set up the let me kick you in the dick.
0: Boot.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you pay ten
0: bucks, I kick you in the nuts. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. All right, we're gonna we're gonna crush it. So we got Kelly and Chelsea making out. We got Luke uh, kicks in the balls, okay. and then I get to smash your hands all for charity. <laughs> and then Tex will comb your hair. Linda. <laughs> Uh, is the sex coming up uh yeah, yes to you here. Yes. dad's gonna be here
4: Yes. What? Jenny's gonna be here everyone's here
0: dude that means we're gonna be able to do a live podcast mm-hmm. uh we not from the gate we need to go from like we need to go find like a uh, Chicago deli like, Portillos, they called portillos. Portillos. Benny in there to Portillos. Like he has had Portillos twice today. Can you
4: guys make that a Sunday event so that you don't have like explosive diarrhea for the whole weekend? You're like, I can't work the booth. Portillo,
0: it's organic.
4: Whatever. You guys have you've never heard of moderation when it comes to Portillos.
0: Or in that cake shake. <laughs> Looks like oh, try the cake shake. I'm like, I can't eat that shit. I'll die.
2: So Benny, you ready to? Are you ready for your California adventure? Keep I up. am,
1: dude. Next fucking dude. Friday. Fair. Dude, he's like, I got to My fucking plane lands at nine. nine. Nine? Nine? And I'm going to talk like fucking this. Like what? Like a Chicago guy with a high, like, like a, a, a- Chicago guy, yeah. Everything's freaking bratwurst and coach.
4: I love Ditka.
0: it. I mean, this is like, you know, like that, uh, you know, guy from the Midwest going to Disneyland, except it's Denny from the Midwest coming like, to you the know games.
4: Awesome.
0: Through the games.
4: Uh, and then after the games, we have a bunch of seminars.
0: we so got a bunch of seminars. We're back in season. Yep. Back in the fist fight. Because
4: we're not jammed up. We're going to Booty Spot. We're going to be in Canada. We got, we're got. we going to Perth
0: uh, and Jersey,
4: right? So, for Georgia,
0: And the Vancouver. best part is, and what's the most important part? Maybe there will be water in a hole in my backyard.
2: Oh, John's, and we're gonna have a pool in John's yard. So we're
0: gonna cancel the certs in August and just have pool parties. Yeah. Oh, yes. uh, there's gonna be. A, uh, get, there's gonna be a pull-up rack in, in, in the yard, so we'll be able to actually film our workout demos and have swim workouts. It's a barbecue and a kegerator. So.
2: But that's it. Yeah, that's what we got coming up. Awesome. All right, so we're at about an hour here, Denny. So why don't we call the wrap, and then we'll get uh, get sorted out for next week. Let's do it. I got a coach here in about f-
1: five, ten minutes anyway. Okay.
4: See you next week, Denny. All right, bye. Bye. bye.
2: Adios. <laughs>